Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Let's get into the Word of God today. We are in a series in 1 Thessalonians. Today's message is titled, Established. We're going to be looking at a section in 1 Thessalonians where Paul is starting to make a transition. And what I mean by that is that as you read this book, you will see the very first half, Paul is giving them encouragement, he's giving them praise, because he knows what the people had been going through. The church there came to know Christ, and then heavy and harsh persecution took place. Paul and Silas, were, they were missionaries, and when they came to town, they preached there for roughly three weeks, and then they were chased out of town at midnight. Well, Paul is about to shift gears in this letter. In the section we are looking at today, I'm not going to lie to you, it has been a difficult section to be preaching on because it is a section where Paul is setting up the second half of the book. So if you will please stand with me and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting in verse 6. And we're going to read seven verses this morning here. So let's, let's read. But now Timothy has come to us from you and has, and has brought us good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all of our distress and afflictions, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if we are standing fast in the Lord. If you are standing fast in the Lord. Verse 9. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father as the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. Let us pray. Father, as we look to your word today, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will come and will speak to our hearts and our minds. Lord, encourage us and challenge us through your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated here. Upon reading this text over and over this past week, I cannot help but think about what is taking place in Afghanistan right now. If you guys have been following any sort of news, uh, it doesn't really matter which news outlet you follow, they are talking about what is, what is taking place. And you guys know that the Taliban have came raging back, and there is harsh persecution, there is pain, there is suffering, and it is a terrible situation. But something that you may not realize is that over the last 15 years, Afghanistan has been one of the fastest growing Christian nations in the world. That, that over the last two, two decades, roughly, that the gospel message has been going into Afghanistan, and men and women and children have been giving their lives to Jesus. But now, the Taliban is back. And as I think about Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, 
I see so many similarities. Is that when Paul came in there, the gospel message was spreading. Men and women and children were giving their lives to the Lord, and there was a great movement of God. And then persecution came. And then they were going door to door. And Paul, in this letter, says they were treating you guys like how they did in Judea, which there would have been stonings and beatings. And, I mean, it was just horrendous there. But within this letter, as Paul writes to them, Paul is encouraged by them. He is writing to them to give them comfort and and encouragement. And as I think about these Christians some 2,000 years ago, and as I think about our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan right now, guys, we have brothers and sisters who love Jesus in that nation right now who are facing terrible consequences. As I was reading this past week, I came across... Uh, Frontier Alliance, which if you do not know that missionary organization, they are an organization that mainly goes to what they would call the 1040 window. Now, you may not know what that window is, but, but if you're looking at a global map, there is a window that is basically in the Muslim world. You look from like North Africa all the way over into like uh, uh, western parts of, of just Asia, and it's basically from like Egypt all the way up to basically Turkey. Well, this missionary organization, they have one goal and one goal only is to bring the gospel to this area of the world. And as you guys know, and as we know, that area of the world is extremely dangerous. It's extremely hostile to the gospel message. Well, this is some of the reports that they said that have been taking place in in Afghanistan today. He said, the Taliban has a hit list of known Christians they are, they are targeting to pursue and kill. The U.S. Embassy is no longer a safe place for believers to take refuge. All borders to neighboring countries are closed, and all flights to and from have been halted with the exception of private planes. People are fleeing into the mountains. They are fully relying on God, who is the only one who can and will protect them. Frontiers also notice how the Taliban is marking homes with girls over 12 years old so that the militants can come and take, and take girls to be their brides. Married women over the age of 25 are also being taken and sold into sex slavery. In addition to, the, to all of this, the terrorist group is also searching people's phones to see if they have any Christian apps. And yet the ones left behind... These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. I've said this. The whole world has abandoned us, but we are not leaving the field. We will fight harder, and we will continue in God's work. Guys, it brings tears to my eyes thinking about what is taking place. But I, I said that there's a lot of parallels here because as Paul is writing this letter, he's writing a letter to men and women that are suffering underneath harsh persecutions as well. And what we see in this letter is that what the report Paul gets back is not that these people are, you know, given up, not that these people have just completely tossed in the towel. What he gets back is that these people are thriving and bringing this gospel message to the people around them. And if you look at 1 Thessalonians 3 verses 6 
through 10, this is what Paul says about the report he got back. He said, but now that Timothy has come to us from you. Paul sent Timothy, who Timothy is basically uh, Paul's uh, uh, understudy. He sent Timothy, and he said, Timothy, I want you to go to this church, find out how these people are doing, because I know the persecution they are facing and the trials that are before them. And he says this, and has brought us good news of your faith and of love and love and reported that you always remember us kindly as long and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all of our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Paul is praising them here for their continued love and faith that they had in the Lord. And their ability to press on. And it's interesting here because Paul says that how they persevered, how they pressed on, how they had faith and love, and how they remembered Paul in their times as well. Paul says this, in all of our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Paul wanted them to know that all of the distress, all of the suffering that they are going through, as Paul thinks about them, it brings comfort to him. But here we are, church, thousands of miles away from Afghanistan, in our little bubbles of safety and comfort. And I think about this all the time. These brothers and sisters are standing firm right now. They are pressing on. They are bringing the gospel message to the most heinous of people of what our world would identify them as. And they press on. And as I think about our our very own lives, if we have brothers and sisters over there who are pressing on, can't we press on? I'm not saying that, that they bring comfort to me. It brings more heartache. But it does... It does bring encouragement to me as I think about them. That, that uh, as we face trials, as, as, as we face times when it's maybe easier for us to be backing down with the gospel message, I think, well, we got people that are giving everything for it. And I sometimes, I get nervous if I possibly offend someone. Where it's like, ooh, I don't, maybe, I don't really want to have, have, have that conversation. But it's like, can we not press on? Because, because these people are giving everything for the gospel. So I think about our college students who are back. We have quite a few of them. I don't even know where all of you guys are. As I think about you guys, we know that a college campus is not a friendly environment for the gospel. Now, I went to Northern 20 years ago, and it wasn't friendly back then. I remember one of my professors blatantly telling the class. I don't really know why this conversation even had to come up, but, but any sort of Christian view would be barbaric, that those views are not accepted here. But as I think about you guys, as I think about our young people who are facing a, a level of hostility there, I want you guys to know that you can press on, that you guys can continue to bring this gospel to the world. Because guys, that's, 
That's our, that's our ultimate calling. That's, that is our ultimate challenge, is to bring this gospel message for us to remain faithful to the Lord regardless of circumstances. And I realize as we have looked at Thessalonians here, I have brought this up many times, but Paul just keeps circling back to this, to this thought that, listen, there, there is going to be suffering. There is going to be people that are going to be hostile to this gospel message. Not just like ignore it, but downright hostile towards it. And what Paul sees here within this church is that they remained faithful, that they remained faithful to the Lord and to loving. Look at what Paul says here in verses 9 and 10. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. As Paul is writing this here, and I've said this, that Paul is writing a letter of encouragement, but Paul recognizes one more thing that these people need. Paul recognizes that just because they had persevered, just because they had faith and hope in Christ still, Paul recognized that it wasn't over yet. And I want you to just to kind of like think about that. Paul is writing encouragement, but at the same time, he is simply saying, you have a couple of things lacking in your faith that I want to see you. I want to come to you. I want to see you face to face so I can supply what is lacking in your faith. And now the rest of this letter, which I know you guys are patiently waiting to get to because we've been in 1 Thessalonians for I don't even know how many weeks now. Does anyone... Some of you who attend weekly should know every sermon. Do you guys know how many weeks? Garrett, Garrett's thinking about it right now. Garrett's like, I don't know, maybe. But the last half of this letter and these next two verses is what Paul is about to do is that he is about to introduce what his teachings are going to be on. What is lacking in their faith, Paul is about to address here. And if you turn with me to the last two verses or three verses, 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 through 13. We're going to see what Paul is about to address here. He says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another, for all, and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father as the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus with all of the saints. In verse 12, I want to kind of pause there real quick. Paul says this. If you can go back to verse 12 there, boy. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. See, the Thessalonians were already doing a really good job in this area. You see this throughout the entire letter. But do you find it to be a little bit interesting as what I do is that why would Paul address this one issue one more time? Earlier on, chapter 1, chapter 2, and most of, most of chapter 3, Paul is already praising them. You guys are doing a great job at loving us and at loving other people, but you have something lacking in your faith. And then Paul says this, I want you to abound. I want you to increase in this one area. And I've been kind of thinking about this, church. 
Do you guys realize that the worst part about Christianity is that you never arrive? And what I mean by that is that you could have been a Christian for a day, for 10 years, for 30 years, for 50 years, fill that number in however long you have been following Christ, but you never arrive. You never get to a point in your walk with Christ where you're like, well, I'm finally here. I've done it. You know, I've read my Bible, and, uh, you know, I've gone to church, gone to church for a long time, did a lot of Bible studies, and I finally arrived, and I'm done. There's nothing more I need to learn. That is the most difficult part about being a Christian, church, is that it's never over. It's literally never over. If you are breathing on this side of heaven, it's not over. And I think a lot of people sometimes think, well, I kind of did Christianity thing, and, you know, yeah, I've gone to church, and I've kind of, you know, I, I gave my life to the Lord, and it's never over. And Paul reminds them of this. They're doing a great job. They're doing a fantastic job in this one area. But Paul says, I want you to increase. I want you to abound even more in this area. And Paul brings up the one area that I think the reason why is because it is the most difficult area for us to live out. Because loving people, and maybe some of you are better at it than others. I'm a serious work in uh, process here. It's the most difficult thing. Because you're going to have interactions again with people. And I don't know if you realize this, but when you have interactions, they can sometimes go good, they can sometimes go bad. And it can sometimes be really easy to love people. And it can sometimes be the most difficult thing to do. And Paul recognizes this. Paul recognizes that this one area, this, this area of loving other people, loving the people in the church and loving the people outside, Paul says, listen, I, I have to encourage you one more time in this area because it's the most difficult area for us to do. But guess what, church? There's a reason why Paul is saying this. There's a reason why Paul is building upon this. He wants to see his church be loving and caring for the people within and for the people outward. But there's a reason why. And it comes in verse 13. So that, so that what? Why are you challenging me to increase and abound in loving people? so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all of the saints. Paul is constantly fixated on the end. He's constantly fixated on the second coming, that, that this Jesus, who he saw resurrected, who he has given his life to, he is constantly fixated on he's coming back. He's making a second return. And you see this throughout this entire letter. He's constantly bringing it up. And we're going to be looking at, at an entire section where he is going to be giving teachings on this one area. But he's constantly looking at that for one reason. Because he knows that there will come a day when the king shows up and we stand before him. And we will see him face to face. And he is saying to them, 
I want, to, I want you to be established in Christ. I want you to be thriving in Christ. And how you do that is by increasing in love. He makes this beautiful correlation here. Christ is coming at his second coming. I want you to stand before him holy and blameless. And the way to do that is for you to increase and abound in love for one another and for others. It's this beautiful correlation that he makes here. And maybe there is a reason why Jesus and the entire New Testament and Old Testament hammers this idea into us to love one another. John 13, 34, 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. I want to just quickly pause there. Jesus says this, just as I have loved you, I want you to love one another. How did Jesus love us? He sacrificed everything, right? Like, the king of heaven came down and went to that cross for you and for me. He gave, he gave everything. He looked at his life and he said, I will give it all because I love you. And Jesus says this, he says, how I loved you, I want you to love one another. Verse 35, but all, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. 15, 17, these things I command to you so that you will love one another. Now, I've said this, but church, and I've said this many times, it is difficult. It is difficult in our world, in everyone's world, to love one another. But Paul here links this, and he says, listen, when Jesus comes, I want you to, to be established in him. I want you to be looking forward to this day. I want you to, to be walking blamelessly and in holiness before our God. And how you do that is for you to increase in this area. And like what I said, he's writing to a church that was doing a really, really good job at this. A church that was thriving in this area. It wasn't even like these people didn't have any sort of love. They're already doing a really great job. Harsh circumstances. And Paul says, even in the midst of your difficult circumstances, even in the midst of life is not going your way or your plans, I want you to abound in this area. Because by us abounding in this one area of learning to love each other and have grace for one another, you're going to end up offending someone. Someone's going to offend you. How do you, how do you treat them? How do you love them? Paul is constantly saying, I want you to abound and constantly grow in this one area. Because when Christ comes, and it's not a matter of if Christ comes, it's a matter of when Christ comes. Now, I'm kind of feeling like Christ is probably coming back sooner. At least I'm hoping for that. I don't know how much further we can continue down our current path. But when he comes, he wants us to be established in him. And church family, I want to just encourage you and challenge you today in this one area. I want you to really be thinking about this one area. When Christ comes, what does he want for me? Paul here says to abound in love to increase. And you might be out there thinking, well, I, I do a pretty good job loving people. 
you never arrive. It's never over. It's never like, well, you know, I, I showed kindness yesterday. You know, I was, I was uh, at a restaurant, and I was really nice to the waitress yesterday. I gave her a little bit of, of an extra tip yesterday, so today I'm not giving out any tips. It doesn't work like that. Increase, abound, so that you may be established in Jesus. Let me pray for us, and I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to uh, come back up and, and, and uh, for us to be singing nothing but the blood one more time. But let me pray. Father, we praise you, Lord. Father, I know, I know in this area within my own life, Lord, I, I need constant work. I need constantly to be challenged and encouraged in this area. Father, we are patiently waiting for your return. But Father, as we wait for you to come back for us, Father, establish us. Father, help us to increase even more so in how we love each other and one another here, Lord. Father, we praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen.